Welcome to Confessions of a Socaholic. We discuss anything and everything. Tune in to your virtual friend group. Follow us on Instagram at Coat Podcast. That is C.O.A.T. underscore podcast. Hello, everyone. So this week's episode is pretty different from like stuff that I've done in the past. I wouldn't say it's like anything similar to what like we already have out. But I guess it's something like interesting since it's like something new, I guess. So basically, I was going to do like a Dear Body episode, but then like I got some responses, but like I thought it would just take too much brain power to answer Um, because I think I could go into basically the answer of those questions like for a really long time. And one of the episodes I actually wanted to save for when I meet up with Lupe. So I actually want to save one of those um, for when, like, me and Lupe record during spring break. But basically, sorry, wait. Hydration. Um, But basically, someone had suggested that I read this, like, one um, story. So then I decided I would just make an episode where I basically um read bedtime stories i thought that was like a really good idea i think it's like something different i don't think it's something that we have out so i hope you guys can like you know listen to this maybe if you're like doing homework or driving like some background noise or like um i know a lot of people like listen to like audiobooks and stuff to like go to sleep so if you're having trouble like sleeping maybe this will help or just like i guess it's like a little bedtime story vibe so yeah, so I've selected a few. I think, let me see how many I have. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, seven. Um, they're all pretty short too, so you guys can go ahead and skip. Um, and maybe if I don't get lazy, I'll put like timestamps on these so you guys can just jump ahead. Um, but yeah, so without further ado, I'll go ahead and start. All right, so the first story is called Goodnight Moon. In the great green room, there was a telephone, and a red balloon, and a picture of the cow jumping over the moon. And there were three little bears sitting on chairs, and two little kittens, and a pair of mittens, and a little toy house, and a young mouse, and a comb and a brush, and a bowl full of mush, and a quiet old lady who was whispering hush. Good night, room. Good night, moon. Good night, cow jumping over the moon. Good night, light and the red balloon. Good night, bears. Good night, chairs. Good night, kittens. Good night, mittens. Good night, clocks and good night, socks. Good night, little house and good night, mouse. Good night, comb and good night, brush. Good night, nobody. Good night, mush. And good night to the old lady whispering hush. Good night, stars. Good night, air. Good night, noises everywhere. So, this next one is actually my favorite, like, I guess, childhood book bedtime story thing. So, yeah. Okay, so this is um, Rumpelstiltskin. There once lived a miller with his daughter. When the miller was at work all day turning grain into flour, he loved nothing more than to think up tall tales to amaze people. 
One day, the king came to town. He heard the miller talking about his daughter. The miller was saying that his daughter was the most amazing girl in their village, if not in all the land. You there, said the king. What is so amazing about your daughter? The father bowed. He said, Your majesty, my daughter is so clever that she can spin straw into gold. Spin straw into gold, said the king. That is amazing. She must come to my palace. I will put her to the test. But I mean, said the miller. He wished he had told the king such a thing. But now it was too late. So the miller's daughter had to go to the king's palace at once. The king took her to a room piled with straw from floor to ceiling. He pointed to the spinning wheel in the middle of the room. He said, now get to work. If by morning you have not spun this straw into gold, you will die. The king slammed the door and locked it behind him. The girl was all alone. For the life of her, she did not know what to do. She had no idea how to spin straw into gold. What will I do? She called out into the air. No one can do such a thing. Just then, an odd little man stood before her. Did I hear you say, no one, he said? What? The girl shocked. Where did you come from? Never mind that, said the imp. What matters is I can save your life, for a price, of course. You can spin straw into gold, said the girl. What kind of price do you have in mind? She did not know if she should trust the stranger. What you give must be important to you, said the imp. How about that necklace? The girl thought. Indeed, my necklace is very dear to me, but not as much as my freedom. So she said to the imp, Very well, if by morning you can turn this room full of straw into gold, this necklace is yours. The little man got to work. Very busy he was all night long. Whirr, 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 until morning. By then, not one piece of straw was left in the room. All of it turned into piles of pure gold thread. You did it, said the girl. Of course I did, snapped the imp. Now hand over that necklace. A deal is a deal, said the girl. She took off her necklace and gave it to him, and he was gone. When the king stepped into the room, he was very glad. Look at that, he said, running the gold thread through his fingers. Pure gold. Yes, said the girl. Now if you please, sir, I'd like to go home now. Not so fast, said the king. I will have my servants bring up new straw to fill up the room larger than this one. You will stay there tonight. Beware, by morning all of the straw must be spun into gold, if you care about your life. Look at that, he said, running through gold through his fingers, pure gold. But I already, said the girl. No buts about it, said the king. And he left, slamming the door behind him. It locked the click. Oh, the girl called out. I was lucky last night. It will not happen again. Who says, said a voice. The girl returned. There before her was that odd little man again. I will do this job for you, said the imp, but you must give me that ring on your finger. I always loved that ring, thought the girl, but after all, it is just a ring. All right, she said to the imp, it's a deal. So the imp spun the straw all night. By morning, nothing but piles of spun gold thread lay on the floor. The girl gave the ring to the imp as she said she would do. The next morning, the girl felt sure the king would be so happy he would let her go home. But alas, if two rooms of gold look good to a king, three rooms of gold looked even better. The king, the king took the girl to the biggest room yet. He had already filled the straw. He told her she must turn the straw into gold by morning or else. 
This time, however, the king said his son was coming back from a long day journey that very night. In the morning, he would send his son to the room to see if the work was done. If it was, she was to marry the prince. The king thought, even if she is a miller's daughter, I cannot find a better wife for my son. And he told the girl in a loud, booming voice, if she could not do the task, she would marry no one at all, for she would die. When the king left, the girl fell into a deep gloom. How long would this go on? Would she ever get out? When she lifted her head, there was a little man again. I bet you knew I would be back, he said. I could not for sure, said the girl. But this time, I no longer have anything to give you. I cannot pay you anymore. We will find a good price, said the imp. And he went to work, spinning the straw into gold. Stop, said the girl. Please, I have nothing left to pay you. But the imp did not stop. He worked all night long. Though the girl waved at him and begged him to stop, hour after hour, it was no use. There, said the imp, all done. Now I will tell you my price. That's not fair, said the girl. Lots of things are not fair, said the imp with a shrug. Very well, she sighed. What is your price? Oh, nothing right now. But later, if you become queen, I will take your firstborn child. What? said the girl in fear. I cannot imagine I would ever be queen. But even if I were, I would never agree to such a thing. Oh, but you already have. The straw spun into gold, and so their deal is so the deal is made, said the imp. And he was gone. A moment later, a young man stepped into the room. Miss, are you all right? said the prince. I know how hard my father can be. True that, she said, and they smiled. This young man seemed very different from his father. When I am king, he said, I will not rule as he does. The prince looked around. He saw the large piles of gold shining on the floor. How can he do such a thing, he said in wonder. The girl said nothing. I was told if the straw were spun into gold by him this morning, you were to marry me. But know this, if you really want to get out of here, I will help you. Do not worry, I will find a way to tell my father. This young man was different. The girl wanted to get to know him better. The two stayed in the room and talked about all sorts of things. Before long, they had fallen in love. Then he asked her to marry him, and the girl said yes. So the two were married. It was not long after the wedding when the terrible old king died. The prince became king, and the miller's daughter became queen. In time, the new queen had a baby of her own, a son. Joy filled the palace. Until one day, when the queen was alone in her room, all of a sudden the imp stood before her. Give me what you promised, said the imp, pointing at the baby. Now. I never promised it, said the queen. She held her baby tightly. She said, I will give you gold instead, more gold than you have ever seen. Why do I need gold, said the little man. I can make all the gold I want. Then I will give you a castle, said the queen. I come and go where I want, said the imp. What do I want a castle? Then I will give you servants to take care of you, said the queen. No one takes care of me, said the imp. No one even knows who I am. I will find out who you are, said the queen. Oh, really, said the imp. For he knew that no one on earth knew his true name. Very well, he said. I will give you three days. After three days, if you cannot tell me my true name... The baby is mine, but if you guess my name, you can keep the baby for all I care. And no one must know about this. If you say but one word of this to anyone, the baby will be gone forever. Three days is a long time to come up with a lot of names, but the queen thought the queen, and so she agreed. 
The next day, the queen wrote a very long list of every name she could think of. That night, in the baby's bedroom, the imp appeared before her. Well, he said with a loud voice. The queen read the whole list of names, one by one. Could your name be Nathan, she said. Lucas, Jacob, Hugo, Felix, Oliver. As you can imagine, many other names, too. Not even close, laughed the limp. See you tomorrow night, and he was gone. The next day, the queen looked through every book in the royal library. She found names from faraway places, names she has never even heard of. That night, when the imp appeared again, the queen read her list. Perhaps your name is Maximilian, she said. No, how about Gunner, Alfonso, Point Dexter, and many more. This is boring, said the imp, but I will not be bored tomorrow night. The third night is when the baby is mine. He laughed again, and he was gone. The third day, the queen did not know what to do. She wished she could tell her husband her woes, but she dare not. She walked to one side of the room and then back again, back and forth, over and over. This does not help a thing, she said. She put on her royal cape and hood and walked outside the castle. If I have peace and quiet, maybe I will think of something, she thought. The queen went into the woods. She followed a brook into a big lake and went past the lake to a deep forest hidden in the darkness. All of a sudden, the queen saw the light of a fire far away. And there was a voice that was hard to make out. There was something about that voice, too. But what? She stepped closer. At last, there in front of the fire danced a little man. It was he, the very same imp. Very quietly, the king, the queen listened. As the little man danced, he sang, Tonight, tonight, my plans I make. Tomorrow, tomorrow, the baby I take. The queen will never know, will never win the game. For Rumpelstiltskin is my name. Rumpelstiltskin, said the queen. That night, when Rumpelstiltskin appeared, the queen went through more names. Is the name Yusuf? Bobek? How about Solomon? No, a thousand times no, said the imp. You are wasting my time. I will give you one last guess. Then that is the end. Well, I am sure that this is not right. But could your name be Rumpelstiltskin? Rumpelstiltskin, yelled the imp. How could you know? He was so mad that he stamped his feet. He stamped them so hard that a very big hole opened up in the ground, and he fell right down into it, and Rumpelstiltskin was never seen again. The next one, next story, is the story of Mulan. Many years ago, China was in the middle of a great war. The emperor said that one man from each Chinese family must leave his family to join the army. Mulan, a teenage girl who lived in a faraway village of China, heard the news when she was outside washing clothes. Mulan ran into the house. Her father was sitting in a chair carving a piece of wood. Father, she said, did you hear what the emperor says? Each family must do. Yes, said her old father. I heard about it in town. Well, I may as well go pack up. He put down his carvings, stood up, and walked very slowly to his room. Wait, said Mulan. Father, you have not been well. If I may say so, why at your age must you keep up with all these young men? What else can be done, said her father. Your brother is a child. He cannot go. Of course that's true, said Mulan. He is too little. But I have an idea. She poured her father a cup of tea and handed it to him. Father, have some tea. Please sit a minute. I will be right back. Very well, dear, said the father. Mulan went into her room. 
With her sword, she cut off her long black hair. She put on her father's robe. Going back to her father, Mulan said, Look at me. I am your son now. I will go in your place. I will do my part for China. No, my daughter, said the old man. You cannot do this. Father, listen, please, said Mulan. For years you trained me in Kung Fu. You showed me how to use a sword. Mulan swung around the sword back and forth with might. Only so that you could stay safe, said the father. I never meant for you to go to war. If they find out you're a woman, you know as well as I do that you will die. No one will find out, father, said Mulan. She picked up her sword. Mulan, said her father. He tried to get up but had to hold on to his chair. The daughter kissed him goodbye. I love you, father, she said. Take care of yourself. Tell my brother I said goodbye. She climbed on a family horse, and off she went to join the emperor's army. In the army, Mulan proved to be a brave soldier. In time, she was put in charge of other soldiers. Her battles went so well that she was put in charge of more soldiers. Her battles kept on going well. After a few years, Mulan was given the top job. She would be general of the entire army. Not long after that, a very bad fever swept through the army. Many soldiers were sick, and Mulan became sick too, the general of the army. When the doctor came out of Mulan's tent, he knew the truth. The general is a woman, yelled the soldiers. How can this be? Some called out. She tricked us, and we did not, and we will not fight for a woman, they said. Push her, make her pay, the cost is for her to die. But others called out in voices just as loud. With Mulan, we win every battle, they said. Stay away from our general. Just then, a soldier ran up. Everyone, he called, a surprise attack is coming. Mulan heard this from inside her tent. She addressed him and went outside. She was not yet strong, but stood tall. She told the soldiers where they must go to hide so they could attack when the enemy came. But they must get there fast. The soldiers, even those who did not like that their general was a woman, could tell that Mulan knew what she was talking about. It worked. The battle was won. It was such a big victory that the enemy gave up at last. The war was over, and China was saved. You can be sure that after that last battle, no one cared anymore that Mulan was a woman. The emperor was so glad that Mulan had ended the long war, he set aside the rule about being a woman. Mulan, stay with me in the palace, he said. Someone as smart as you would be a fine royal advisor. And Mulan bowed deeply. You are too kind, sire, she said. But if you please, what I wish most of all is to return home to my family. Then at least take these fine gifts, said the emperor, so everyone at your home village will know how much the emperor of China thinks of you. Mulan returned to her village with six fine horses and six fine swords. Everyone cheered that she was safe. The person who had saved China was their very own Mulan. Alrighty, so the next story is if you give a mouse a cookie. If you give a mouse a cookie, he's going to ask for a glass of milk. When you give him the milk, he'll probably ask you for a straw. When he's finished, he'll ask for a napkin. Then he'll want to look in a mirror to make sure he doesn't have a milk mustache. When he looks into the mirror, he might notice his hair needs a trim, so he'll probably ask for a pair of nail scissors. When he's finished giving himself a trim, he'll want a broom to sweep up. He'll start sweeping. He might get carried away and sweep every room in the house. He may even end up washing the floors as well. When he's done, he'll probably want to take a nap. You will have to fix a little box for him and a blanket and a pillow. 
He'll crawl in, make himself comfortable, and fluff the pillow a few times. He'll probably ask you to read him a story. So you'll read him one from your books, and he'll ask to see the pictures. When he looks at the pictures, he'll get so excited he'll want to draw one of his own. He'll ask for paper and crayons. He'll draw a picture. When the picture is finished, he'll want to sign his name with a pen. Then he'll want to hang his picture on your refrigerator, which means you will need scotch tape. He'll hang up his drawing and stand back and look at it. Looking at the refrigerator will remind him that he's thirsty, so he'll ask for a glass of milk. And chances are, if he asks for a glass of milk, he's going to want a cookie to go with it. Okay, so the next one is called The Princess and the Pea. And, like, funny story about this, I feel like I kind of have a deeper connection to this one. Only because, like, when I first started reading chapter books, I actually read a chapter book on The Princess and the Pea. Which was, like, really good. Like, I don't know, like, what the full title or, like, who the author was of it. But I remember reading a chapter book based on this. So, I'm not reading the chapter book, but... Here's the short bedtime story version of The Princess and the Pea. In a land far, far away, there was a glorious kingdom. In the kingdom stood a great castle, and inside the castle lived a handsome prince. The prince was sad. He longed for a true princess to share his castle and kingdom, but he couldn't find one. This was not because there was a lack of princesses. In fact, the kingdom was full of fair maidens, all claiming to be princesses. The prince scurred the kingdom, meeting every one of the so-called princesses, but he returned sad and empty-handed. It is impossible to tell whether these are true princesses, he said to his father, the king. You must be patient, my son. You will know when you know, said the king with a knowing smile. The prince smiled back, then went into his chamber. That evening, a huge storm came. Thunder clapped, lightning flashed, and the rain clattered down on the castle roof like the sound of a thousand horses charging into battle. Suddenly came a loud knock at the castle door. The king put on his robe and opened the door to find a cold, soggy young lady standing in front of him. I am a true princess, she said. Please, can I have some dry clothes and a bed for the night? The king let her in. She says she's a true princess, said the king to the old queen mother. The queen mother didn't say a word. Instead, she thought to herself, we'll soon see about that. Then she handed the princess a nightgown and said, put this on while I prepare your chamber. The queen mother began preparing the chamber, but in a very peculiar way. First, she took the covers and sheets and mattresses off the bed. Then she placed a single garden pea on the bedstead. And then laid 20 mattresses on top of the pea, taking care to separate separate each layer with a soft down quilt. After this, she replaced the bedcloths at the top of the mattresses and said to the princess, Your chamber is ready. The bed was now so high off the ground that the princess needed to climb a ladder to get onto the bed. The princess climbed up the ladder, got under the covers, and blew out her candle. At breakfast, at breakfast the next morning, the queen mother turned to the princess and asked, My dear princess, how did you sleep? Oh, not at all well, said the princess. I mean to say, I am extremely grateful for your kindness in putting me up for the night, but there seemed to be something ever so hard and uncomfortable under my mattress. I didn't sleep a wink. My, my, replied the queen mother. Is that so? The queen mother turned to the prince and said, I believe we have found your true princess, 
for none but a true princess possesses such a delicate sense to feel a single pea through twenty mattresses and twenty of my finest quilts. You must sweat immediately. The prince was overjoyed. He turned to the princess and said, Dear princess, would you do me the great honor of becoming my wife? She blushed, then taking a moment to finish a mouthful of cereal, said, On one condition, anything, replied the prince. She looked back at the prince with a cheeky grin and said, That you promised your prince that from this day forward that any pea that should enter this castle is simply for eating and not for sleeping upon. The prince looked back at her, chuckled, and said, I promise. Alrighty, this next one is uh, Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Once upon a time, there was a little girl named Goldilocks. She went for a walk in the forest. Pretty soon, she came upon a house. She knocked, and when no one answered, she walked right in. At the table in the kitchen, there were three bowls of porridge. Goldilocks was hungry. She tasted the porridge from the first bowl. This porridge is too hot, she exclaimed. So, she tasted the porridge from the second bowl. This porridge is too cold, she said. So, she tasted the last bowl of porridge. Ah, this porridge is just right, she said happily, and she ate it all up. After she had eaten the three bears' breakfast, she decided she was feeling a little tired. So she walked into the living room, and then she saw three chairs. Goldilocks sat in the first chair to rest. This chair is too big, she exclaimed. So she sat in the second chair. This chair is too big, too, she whined. So she tried the last and smallest chair. Ah, this chair is just right, she sighed. But just as she settled down into the chair to rest, it broke into pieces. Goldilocks was very tired by this time. She went upstairs to the bedroom. She lay down in the first bed, but it was too hard. Then she lay in the second bed, but it was too soft. Then she lay down in the third bed, and it was just right. Goldilocks fell asleep. As she was sleeping, the three bears came home. Someone's been eating all my porridge, growled the papa bear. Someone's been eating my porridge, said the mama bear. Someone's been eating my porridge and they ate it all up, cried the baby bear. Someone's been sitting in my chair, growled the papa bear. Someone's been sitting in my chair, said the mama bear. Someone's been sitting in my chair and they've broken it into pieces, cried the baby bear. They decided to look around some more, and when they go upstairs to the bedroom, Papa Bear growled. Someone's been sleeping in my bed. Someone's been sleeping in my bed, too, said Mama Bear. Someone's been sleeping in my bed, and she's still there, exclaimed the baby bear. Just then, Goldilocks woke up. She saw the three bears. She screamed, help, and she jumped up and ran out of the room. Goldilocks ran down the stairs, opened the door, and ran away into the forest. She never returned to the home of the three bears. Okay, so now time for the last story. This is the ugly duckling. On a farm long ago, Mama Duck sat on her nest. How long must I wait for babies to hatch, she said. I have to sit here all alone, and no one, can, no one comes to visit me. But what could she do? A mama duck must keep her eggs warm till they hatch. At last, the eggs began to crack. One by one, yellow ducklings stepped out from their shells. They shook their wings and said, Quack, quack. Look at all of you, said Mama Duck with joy. You are all so cute. Quack, quack, they said. Mama Duck said, Come and line up. We will go down to the lake for your very first swim. She counted one, 
two, three, four, five. Oh dear, she said, I should have six ducklings. But one large egg was still in the nest. Well, said Mama Duck, it looks like that big egg will take more time. So she had to go sit on her nest again and wait some more. The next day, the big egg started to hatch. Out came a baby boy bird. But if one may say so, it was an odd-looking thing. This bird was much bigger than the others. He was not yellow, he was dark gray, from his head to his feet. And he walked with a funny wobble. One of the yellow ducklings pointed, What is that? He cannot be one of us. I have never seen such an ugly duckling, said another. How can you say such a thing, said Mama Duck in a stern voice. You are only one day old. Your brother hatched from the very same nest as you did. Now line up. We will go to the lake for your very first swim. Yet the other ducklings quacked. Ugly, ugly, ugly. The ugly duckling did not know why the other ducklings yelled at him. He took the last spot in the line. Each yellow duck jumped in the river and swam behind Mama Duck. When it was his turn, the ugly duckling jumped in and started to paddle too. At least he can swim, Mama Duck said to herself. When they left the water and started to play, the ugly duckling tried to play with his brothers and sisters too. They yelled, go away. We will not play with you. You are ugly and you walk weird too. When Mama Duck was close by, she would not let them talk in this way. Be nice, she would scold. But she was not always close by. One day, one of the yellow ducklings said to the ugly duckling, You know what? You would do us a big favor if you just went away from here. All of them started to quack. Get out, get out, get out. Why won't they let me stay here? said the ugly duckling to himself. He hung his head down low. Ah, they are right. I should go. That night, the ugly duckling flew over the far farmyard fence. He flew till he landed on the other side of the lake. There, he met two grown-up ducks. Can I please stay here for a while, said the ugly duckling. I have nowhere else to be. What do we care, said one of the ducks. Just don't get in our way. Woof, woof. <laughs> Suddenly, a big hungry dog came tearing by, tearing by, chasing the two ducks. They quickly flew up in the air, and their feathers fell down on the ground. The poor ugly duckling froze in fear. The dog sniffed and sniffed at the ugly, du at the ugly duckling. Then turned away. I am too ugly even for the big hungry dog to want. And then the ugly duckling with his head hung low. The sky turned dark. Crack. A bolt of lightning. Then came a big storm with heavy rains pouring down from the sky. In just moments the ugly duckling was soaked through and through. And then a cold wind started to blow. Brr, he said with both wings held close to his chest. If only there was a place I could get dry. All at once, a tiny light blinked far off in the woods. Could it be someone's hut? He flew to the door. Quack, said the ugly duckling. The door of the hut creaked open. What is all this noise, said an old woman looking right and left. Her eyes were not that good. Then she looked down. Ah, oh, look at that. It's a duck. She picked up the ugly duckling, dropped him inside her hut. You can stay here, but only if you lay eggs, she said. A tomcat and a hen crept up to the ugly duckling. Who do you think you are, coming in here and taking up room by the fire, said the tomcat. Squawk, said the hen. I do not need anyone else in this hut. 
laying eggs. Do not worry about that, said the ugly duckling. I am a boy duck. Then why are you still here, said the tomcat. Did you not hear what the old woman said? Get out of here, pretender, clucked the hen. Get out, get out, hissed the tomcat. The door was still a bit open, so our poor ugly duckling slipped out the door and back into the storm. No one ever wants me, said the ugly duckling with a tear in his eye. The storm ended. Soon he found a new lake. Looking into the water, the ugly duckling saw the reflection of a flock of large white birds flying. He looked overhead and could not believe what he saw. There, above him, were the most beautiful birds he has ever seen. Their long white bodies and slender sleek necks seemed to glide through the sky. He watched until the very last bird had winged its way out of the view. He stayed at that lake all by himself and time passed. The leaves of the trees turned deep red and gold and then the leaves fell to the ground. Winter came, setting a blanket of white snow all over. The cold wind and the dark clouds made the ugly duckling feel even more sad. He had to go into the cold, cold lake to fish, but it was getting harder to swim. The lake was turning into ice. One day, it was all it was all he could do was to paddle the water to keep it from freezing around him and trapping him in the lake. I am so tired, he said, paddling with all his might. The ice got thicker and drew closer to him. In a moment, two giant hands swept him up. You poor thing, said the farmer. He held the ugly duckling close to his thick wool jacket and took the bird to his home. Never was a warm fireplace more welcome. For the rest of the winter, the farmer cared for the ugly duckling. Then spring came. Tips of green covered the trees. Short, bright flowers popped up from the ground. It is time for you to go to the lake to swim again, as you were born to do, said the farmer. He took the duckling back to the lake where he had found him and set him with care on the water. Gosh, I feel so strong, said the young bird flapping his wings. Why well, I never felt so strong as I do right now. He heard quiet, splashing sounds behind him and turned around. A flock of those beautiful birds he had seen in the sky before landed behind him on the water. Do not worry, he said to them, holding out one wing. I will go now. I will not make trouble for you. A big fat tear rolled down his cheek. He turned to go away. When he opened his eyes, he saw his reflection on the water with one of the water of one of those beautiful white birds. Why was it so close to him? He jumped back, and the reflection jumped back too. What is this? He said, and he stretched his neck, and the reflection of the beautiful bird stretched its neck too. Why are you going so soon? Said one of the beautiful birds. Stay here with us, said another. We'll be great friends. Then, the bird who used to be the ugly duckling knew what had happened. He was no longer an ugly gray bird that wobbled when it walked. At one moment, all of the swans flapped their wings and took off to the sky. Come with us, one called back. Take the lead. So he flapped his wings fast and took his place in front of the whole flock. All his new friends flapped their wings behind him. Say, he said, gliding and dipping through the sky as he sped on. Who's an ugly duckling now? Sure, not I. Okay, so that was the end of those bedtime stories. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, it's kind of like, I feel like I don't read out loud very often. I think it's like, like once you're not like in school, like high school and stuff, like you're not in like writing classes, like you don't really need to like read 
out loud, I guess. Well, I haven't taken like a writing course recently, so I don't actually know. But anyways, so yeah, I felt kind of like weird to read out loud because I was like, wow, I kind of suck at reading again. Like I have to like stumbling on words, but I didn't like want to go back and change it because I think it was just like, yeah, I don't, I don't think it really matters in the long run. Um, so yeah, that was basically the end of that episode. So thank you guys for listening. I'll see you guys in the next one.